I uh, I'm a little irritated this morning. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, the topic of today's message is very fitting because I dealt with a little bit of this this morning. Um, we're gonna talk about anxiety today. What a day! He like, never mind. I don't want to be here anymore. I uh, I'm I'm super excited about today's message. But I'm also super nervous, um, probably more so than I've ever been about any message ever, um, because there is nothing that qualifies me to teach on this topic. Um, I got to make sure my phone doesn't turn off on the brightness, so we're going to switch that to never. Um, to kind of give you a little context of how I got to this idea um, of preaching on this topic today, I... Uh, Anybody in here, let's just, you don't have to raise your hand because I know that all of you are going to raise your hand, so it's okay. I don't want to embarrass all of you. But anybody in here struggle with thoughts? Anybody in here have, have struggled with negativity and negative thoughts? And I'm going to be honest, I went through a little season of that. And I say little season like, like as if it was only one time. But like I went through a time when it was really, really bad a few, about a month ago. And ironically, it was through... Thanksgiving, and we were doing our No Offense series. Isn't that weird? <laughs> but I, I honestly, I began to, to really look at the idea of how, how do I combat my thought life? And I read the Bible. I listened to messages. And one message in particular really caught my attention, but not in a good way. Like, that sounds weird, but... The guy, he was teaching on a topic, and, he, and he, he used a very popular verse that we use to talk about anxiety and thoughts. And for whatever reason, that day, it bothered me. And I was like, I, was like, I, don't, I don't know why him using this verse bothers me so much. Because I've used this verse before for this exact same thing. And I don't know why, for whatever reason today, it's bothering me. And so... I decided that I was going to dig a little bit deeper into it, and I wanted to, to really get an understanding of what this verse was talking about and really figure out how I can overcome anxiety, how I can overcome negativity, depression. Now, you might be asking, Kyle, why are we talking about anxiety in church? We're supposed to talk about Jesus. We're supposed to talk about how we can, we can be better Christians and, and how we can better follow Jesus. But I would argue that we need to talk about things like this because for too long the church has ignored them. I want to give you some statistics today. And I know I'm, I'm like diving in really quickly. I'm sorry. But 62% of the world in a recent survey said they struggle with or have experienced some type of anxiety. Let that sink in for a second. There's like 7 billion people on the planet. 62% of them said that they struggle with or have struggled with some sort of anxiety. A similar poll was done just in the United States. 41% of the United States said that we struggle with or have experienced some type of anxiety and or depression. And I would love to sit here and tell you that as Christians we're exempt from this, but we're not. I would also love to give you the statistics on Christians that struggle with anxiety and depression 
but there's not really much. And here in a little bit, we're going to talk about why. But what I want to do today is <clears throat> I want to define a few things. I want to first and foremost define what anxiety is. Um, but before doing that, I want to read you a quick little passage of scripture. But even before I do that, I want to pray. So I want to do a lot of things today, but we should pray first. You can tell I'm nervous about this message because I don't even know what I'm talking about in the beginning. But Father, we just thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you that your words are true. Father, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross today. Let your word shine through above everything else. God, let us to leave this place today not just challenged, but changed. Help us to see things differently. Help us to walk out of here differently than how we came in. And Father, we lift up your name above everything else. Don't let me say anything that's not of you. But anything that is of you, Father, let it penetrate each and every one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want to start in verse 5. I want to start in verse 5. Um, it says this. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against God, or raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Christ. How many of you have heard that verse before or read that verse before or heard a million messages on that verse before? How many of you have been told that you should take your thoughts captive? What if I told you you've been reading that verse wrong your entire life? What if I told you that your entire life, in your entire Christian walk, you've read that verse wrong and you've been applying that verse wrong? Please don't throw stones at me. I'm going to talk about it here in a second. Some of you are like, uh, wait a minute. I, I see like some people are like, get this stuff ready. We might be leaving. We might be leaving. Get ready. Come on. But I believe that we've been reading this verse wrong. This is the verse that bothered me so much. Because I don't think we're supposed to take our thoughts captive. Like, like wait, what? I don't think we're supposed to take our thoughts captive. One thing that we often do when we're reading the Bible is we look at one individual verse and try to apply that one individual verse to fit a broad idea. We don't like to look at things in context. We don't like to look at things as a whole because that would require digging deep. And we don't like digging deep. We don't like getting to the root. We like to put a blanket over it. We like to cover it up. So we'll use verses like this to say, we shouldn't take every thought captive. We shouldn't take every thought captive. How many of you have been told that? You need to take every thought captive. But have you ever sat down and thought, how do I take every thought captive? You ever like really thought about it? Like, what does that even look like? What does that even mean? That's what sparked this for me because I'm like, what does that even mean? How do I take a thought captive? So I looked up the definition of the word captive. You know what it means? To imprison. I'm just going to throw out an idea here. Why in the world would God want you to imprison your own negative thought on the inside of you? You ever thought about that? Why would God want you to imprison something negative on the inside of you when everything in the Bible is talking about how God wants you to live a better life? Out of your mouth 
will flow living water. Place your words in your heart. So why would God want you to take every thought captive? He doesn't. Well, then Kyle, what is this verse saying? Because it literally clearly, definitively says, take every thought captive. But remember, I said context. So let's go all the way back to verse 1. Verse 1 says this. You good? Yeah. We're having fun today. It's okay. I, Paul, myself, entrust or entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing uh, as I count on showing against some of uh, who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. So we're going to pause right there for a second. I want to explain to you what's happening right here. In this passage, in this verse, what Paul is, is doing is he is addressing a rumor about him. Paul's addressing a rumor because the church in Corinth, I don't know if you know this, um, you can interchange, never mind, I'm not going to say that, Ron, because that, that is too soon for that. I was going to say you could interchange Corinth and America quite often, but that's too deep. We're not going to go into that. The church in Corinth was very corrupt. The church in Corinth was very immoral. They were doing a lot of things that were not of God. And one of the things that they were doing, um, Paul was rebuking them constantly through letters. But then he'd get there in person, and he would try to show them the grace of Jesus. And so the church in Corinth, they began to accuse Paul of being, oh, you're big and bad when you're here. You're big and bad when, when you're writing letters to us, but when you get here, you're all shy and you don't talk very much. And Paul's saying, hey, if you would shape up, I wouldn't have to talk to you so strongly in a letter. If you'd stop doing what you're doing, I wouldn't have to do that. But here we are. And Paul's, he's like, hey, I, I'm praying, I'm begging you that I wouldn't have to go and be so bold when I get there. I am begging you that, that by the grace of God, when I get there, I can speak to you with gentleness and kindness. I don't want to have to come to you and be bold. Most preachers don't want to yell at people. Even though I'm kind of yelling right now. <laughs> but, but we don't, nobody likes, I guess some people like to yell at people, but nobody really likes to just, ah! nobody likes that. Nobody likes to, to, to be mean to people. Nobody likes to belittle people and to, and to have to correct people. You know, it's like parents would always tell, or my not parents, my parents would tell me when I was a kid, when they would spank me. You can't say spank like out loud now because it's, but they would say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And at the time, I'm like, whatever. Like, you're not the one with a sore butt. Like. But it's the emotions behind it. It's the physical act of having to hurt somebody for their betterment. And so what Paul's saying here is, is, is I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to come and be bold. So please shape up so I don't have to be bold. And then we're going to jump to verse 3. We're going to continue. He says, for though we walk in flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. I want you to hold on to that thought. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And then verse 5, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive 
to obey Christ. In verse 6, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Do you notice what Paul is actually talking about here? He is not instructing the church in Corinth to take their thoughts captive. He is saying that, hey, when I get there, when I'm there, me and my ministry, me and my team, we're going to take your thoughts captive. We're going to take your thoughts captive. Because verse 6 says, ready to punish any disobedience when your obedience is complete. Wait a minute. Paul is instructing us to be open. Paul is instructing us to be honest and to send every thought, every negative thought that goes against God. He is instructing us to let it go and allow somebody else to take it captive for you. Because see, my insecurities, if I share my insecurity with you, that doesn't harm you. You can take that captive for me. But if I keep my insecurity and my anxiety and my thoughts inside of me, it absolutely affects me. It absolutely tears apart. You know, James, James says something really powerful in verse 516. He says this, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power, has, it is working. Bo, you can come up and play really spiritual behind me if you want to. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to talk long, but I might, I don't know, we'll see. I used to, I used to say that um, I'm not going to preach long today. And then Alyssa and Courtney both told me to stop because I said every time you say that, you preach for even longer. So I'm not going to say that. But James instructs us to do something very powerful. He says, confess your sins to one another so you might be healed. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking to yourself, well, Kyle, that it says sin. It doesn't say anxiety. It doesn't say depression. It doesn't say thoughts. But let me give you the definition of anxiety. And Michelle, I know I'm jumping all over the place. It's okay. You don't even have to worry about putting it on the screen. The definition of anxiety says this. It's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. Typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. A feeling of worry. Another way to put it is a fear. An irrational fear. We're commanded by Jesus in Matthew not to worry. If we disobey a command, what is that called? That's called sin. When we worry, when we're anxious, we're actually sinning. And I know that's hard to hear because you're like, Kyle, you don't understand, there, there's, there's chemical imbalances and there's, I understand all of that and I am no, in no way minimizing the need for physical and professional help. I absolutely believe in medication. I, I, I absolutely believe that there is important for doctors and medication. 
But I also believe that it is equally important that we talk about the spiritual side of this. Because there's two sides to this coin. There's the side that says, we need to, it's mental health and it's all about my mind and it's all about my brain and it's all about, uh, I got to take this medication and I've got to go to the doctor and I need to see a therapist and I need to do this and I need to do that. And then there's the other side where the church has been for so long is you just need to pray it away. You just need to take it captive. I told you, we don't like to yell, but I'm just doing it, sorry. You're not supposed to joke in the emotional parts of the message, but whatever. And there's two sides, and guys, I think we've got to get in the middle. I think we have to stop saying it's, it's all in my head and I've got to take medication. And then we also have to stop saying, well, you just need to try harder. You need to do better. You need to, you need to take every thought captive. And, and you need to do what 1 Peter 5, 6 says where it says, humble yourselves so that you won't be anxious anymore. Cast all your anxieties on him. Why do we do that as Christians? Because we would rather throw a blanket statement. We would rather take an out of context verse and throw it at our problem rather than take what the Bible actually says and apply it. We would rather just sit here and tell ourselves how much better we need to do. Or on the other side, we would rather just say, this is just how I'm wired. I hear that a lot when it talks about anxiety and depression. People say, well, it's just how I'm wired. I'm just naturally anxious. I'm just, that's just, yeah, it just, it, just, it is what it is. But you're not. You were not wired to be anxious. You were not wired to be depressed. You were not wired to be anything but the righteousness of God. The problem is, is sin has crept in. Sin is, is, has, has caused us to become isolated. We would rather throw a verse at it than talk about it. We've allowed ourselves to become so isolated. And let's be honest, COVID didn't help that. You know, I told you the statistic was 61%. That was done last year. That, was, that, that statistic came in November of 2021. In 2019, that rate was much lower. And I think I figured out why. It's because we were created not for isolation, but for relationship. And we've spent the last two years isolating ourselves. We've spent the last two years sitting at home. Being anxious. We've spent the last two years trying to pretend like we've got it all together. I don't even know where I am on my notes anymore, y'all. 
This is, this, I told Alyssa this morning, I said, babe, I really feel like God's gonna do something today. And I don't even know honestly why I put notes on a paper because I really feel like God's gonna begin to stir something while I'm talking today because y'all, this is such a real topic. And maybe you're in here and you say, well, Kyle, I don't struggle with that. Well, do you know somebody that does? I would bet money that everybody in here at least knows somebody that deals with anxiety and depression. So Kyle, what are you suggesting that we do? What are you suggesting that, that we do about it? You told us not to take our thoughts captive. You, so what do we do? Jesus actually models for us what we should do. In the closest moment that we, that, that, that we could understand, Jesus was in a moment where there was an imminent danger approaching him. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is right before, if you're not familiar with this story, this is right before he gets arrested and he gets betrayed by Judas and he's getting ready to go to the cross. He finds himself in anguish. He finds himself hurting. And he tells his disciples, he says, I'm gonna go and pray. You guys stay here, I'm gonna go and pray. And then he takes his three. He takes his three, which is Peter, James, and John. And he takes them further. And he tells them, guys, my soul is weary. Guys, I feel like I'm, he, if you look at it, what he's saying in, in the context, he's literally saying, I feel like I am dying. He says, I am, I am, I am nervous up until the point of death. And the Bible says that he begins to pray. And he's, he's, he's praying so profusely that he's literally sweating blood. what does Jesus do? He grabs his three and he says, guys, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm facing. I'm going to pray. Would you pray with me? Now his three fell asleep because it was important that Jesus was abandoned in order for him to fulfill what his mission was. But I got good news for you. God's mission for you is not to die for the sins of the world. God's mission for you is to live free from anxiety and depression and sin and to have eternal life with Jesus. So Jesus models it. He tells his three, ask them to pray he goes and prays. And he repeats this up until the point where he's arrested. He doesn't just say, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with something, can you pray? And then go and pray. He says, guys, I am in anguish to the point of death. Stay here 
and pray while I pray over here. And then he comes back and he finds them asleep. And he's like, guys, really, I asked you just to sit, just to wake up. And can you at least pray? Can you do something? I'm in anguish. I'm hurting. I'm broken. Can you pray? And then he goes back and he begins to pray again. And, and then he comes back. And then finally, Judas gets there and, and the rest of the story. And he gets arrested and goes to the cross and he dies. And he rises again three days later so that we could become the righteousness of God. But let me ask you something. Who's your three? Do you have your three? Are you isolated? Are you by yourself? Because let me be very clear, you will never overcome anxiety and depression without somebody to talk to, without somebody to believe with you. You know what I find interesting? Is especially in America, we have turned church into Sunday morning. We have turned church into 10 o'clock. We're gonna sing a few songs we're going to take up an offering. We're going to hear an inspirational message about Jesus. And then I'm going to leave. And then I'm going to not think about it the whole week. And then I'm going to come back on Sunday and do it all over again. And then forget about it. And then come back on a Sunday and then forget about it. And then come back on a Sunday and forget about it. And then we wonder why our lives aren't changing. We wonder why our lives aren't getting any better, why we're still struggling, why we're still anxious, why we're still depressed, why we're still struggling with that issue. Do you understand that God cares for every single part of you? Even the part that you don't want anybody to know about? In order to understand this concept and understand this, this, this idea I want, to, I want to ask you a question. Do you think God cares about your addiction? Do you think God cares about your internal turmoil? Do you think God cares about that one thing that you don't want anybody to find out about it because if they did, it could expose you You wanna know why you need your three? Because God does care about those things and he cares about them enough that he put things in place and he put things in motion and he gave us ways to deal with it and the way to deal with it is not by ourselves; it's by communicating and opening up and talking to somebody. That's why therapy is such a beautiful thing because it forces you to talk to somebody. It forces you to open up to somebody. But I want to encourage you and challenge you that don't just pick one person. Find three people. It's important that we stop coming to church and start being the church for each other. And I'm not telling you don't come next week. You don't have to come on Sundays more. Yes, you do because that's a vital part of us coming together and it builds community and it builds relationships. But don't stop here. How many of you were in a small group this past semester? Almost everybody, but there's a lot of hands that aren't up. 
can I tell you that small groups is a place for you to get honest. Look, I'm gonna say this with a microphone in my hand. I know our small group leaders are here. Pastor Josh will hear this message later. But it has nothing to do with a curriculum. It has nothing to do with a Bible study. Who cares about all of that? If we can't get in and be honest and say, look, I am struggling. I am dealing with depression. I am battling. You want to know why there's no statistics on Christians that deal with anxiety and depression? Because we don't talk about it. Because we come to church on a Sunday morning and we amen and wow, that was good. And then we go home and there's no life change because we're not doing life with anybody. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. So that one man might strengthen another. We've got to stop attending church and start being the church. You know, it, it's funny because I've got, I've got my three that I know that I could call and I could tell them anything. And we've made a, a commitment to each other that, hey, no matter what you're going through, even if you're embarrassed to tell anybody, you can call me and you can tell me. Because I learned a long time ago that when I isolate myself, nothing gets better. Stop trying to take your own thoughts captive. Find your three that can cap take those thoughts captive for you, that can believe for you. Church, what would it look like in 2022? Is if after today, and we're like, we didn't have to be weird about it. Like, hey, will you be my Peter, James, and John? Because like church folks, we get really weird like that. Like, will you be my Peter? Weirdos. But what if you said, hey, we, I know we maybe don't know each other that well. I know that, I know that, you know, we've only interacted a few times or maybe we've never met at all, but. Can we be there for each other? Can, can I call you if, if something happens or you can call me if something happens? No strings attached. Like I, I, just wanna, I just wanna be there for each other. What would it look like if we made that decision to stop being so isolated? And I know it's, it's out of a comfort zone for a lot of us. Talking to a, a, a stranger but can I be honest with you? Church is the one place where there should never be a stranger. Church is the one place when we gather here that we should be able to talk to anybody in the room. And as somebody that is naturally introverted, I know that's hard to believe because I get up here and I, with a microphone and I tell jokes and I cry, but I'm naturally introverted. And I'll be honest, it's hard for me sometimes. One of the things that's really difficult for me, if I'm going to be transparent, is when somebody new walks through the doors 
and I'm the first one to talk to them, and I've got to, like, try to figure out how to, like, make conversation, and I'm like, so, like, uh, what, like, how are you? What's your name? Oh, it's cool. Yeah, my name's, my name's Kyle. Yeah. Where you live? Like, we ask, like, weird questions. Like, I ask weird questions like that. Like, what's your address? Like, it's weird. It's awkward. But you don't have learned. Stories matter. The first question that I ask somebody now is, where do you live? It's, man, tell me your story. Like, what's your background? Have you been a part of a church before? Oh, no? Man, well, what, draw, what drew you here? Like, I, I just want to get to know you. Stories matter. Find somebody that you can just talk to. Find somebody that says, hey, can, can you just be praying for me this week? You know, I've, I've, I've been dealing with this. I've been battling with this. But can, can, we just, can we just be there for each other? Guys, if we're going to overcome anxiety and depression and any sin issue for that matter, we're going to have to do it together. Because I don't know about you, but by myself simply isn't working anymore. And I don't know if this is resonating with anybody. I don't know if this is, maybe like this was a waste of a Sunday. I don't know. But what I do know is that I feel better. <laughs> because I'm open. I'm honest. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Now I've got to ask the question just for my own clarity, but if this message is resonating with you in any way, nobody's looking around at you, nobody's going to take tallies of you, but just so I know who I'm talking to this morning, if you're dealing with some sort of anxiety, some sort of depression, or maybe it's a sin issue, and you say, Kyle, this is talking to me, I need, this is, this is for me, would you just slip up a hand? Wow, wow, wow. Mm. You put your hands back down. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, God, we can come together regardless of our background, regardless of our experiences, but we can come together under one name. We can come together. And we can be there for each other.
Father, strengthen us today. Help us not just to attend the church, but to be the church for each and every one of us. The Bible says that the church is designed to encourage and equip the saints. And that's what being there for each other does. We encourage each other and we equip one another. If you got nothing out of this message, at least take the fact that we need to look at context of Scripture because it's important. Because otherwise we're just blindly throwing Bible verses, hoping that something works. Thank you, God, for your grace and your wisdom and your mercy. In Jesus' name.